So from time to time, we, um, we have our normal series, but we, from time to time, we want to do series that are more verse-by-verse book studies. We try to do one, sometimes two books of the Bible a year, just so we can learn our Bibles and dig into the truths verse-by-verse. And that's what we're in right now. If you're new to our church, we're in this book of Galatians. And it's really kind of important for you to kind of understand the context and the, the, the way this whole story is set up, written by, uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, written by the Apostle Paul. And the word apostle, if you're new to the Bible or to church, the word apostle simply means that he was a church planter. So he didn't pastor churches. He would go and launch these churches and then raise up leadership and pastors, and then just did it over and over and over again. And so a lot of your New Testament ends up being letters, or the Bible calls them epistles, but they're just letters that Paul wrote to these churches to strengthen them in their doctrine, or in this case, to bring some correction to an area where they kind of got off track. So Galatians, the Galatian churches, is in modern-day Turkey. So if you know much of your geography just north of Israel, right in the heart of the nation of modern-day Turkey was an area called Galatia. And so Paul planted a bunch of churches in those areas, and now he's off planting another church, okay? And so after he left, some of the new Christians, and they were Christians, they, were just weren't, they, were, they weren't totally grounded in God's word yet, but they were new Christians, they loved Jesus, and they, they're followers of Jesus. But not knowing any better, some of these new Christians go to Galatia behind Paul while he's planting another church and tell them, they were Jewish Christians, tell them, hey, you Gentiles, you non-Jews, hey, we had this Old Testament rule of, you know, that if you're a God follower, you also do this circumcision thing. And so you guys haven't been, if you're going to be in the club, you got to get circumcised. And of course, that created a lot of problems. And Paul is basically writing this book in response to this problem because the Galatian church members didn't know any better and they thought, well, okay. And so he starts off last week, we talked about how he starts the whole book off with, I can't believe you deserted the gospel so fast. I can't believe you're already following a new gospel. And that sets up really a theme that I want to make sure every one of you understand. We, we consider it to be a foundational truth here at Highlands. And that is there's, there are two different brands of Christianity out there. And it can be very confusing from the person who's trying to figure it all out of which one is real. And, and they really are highlighted in, in, in a story that was really one of the first stories of the Bible, that there are two choices, a tree of life and a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that one of them is very life-giving. So the way we like to say it here at Highlands is, when, when you're in the real gospel, you want to do it. There's, a, there's an internal motivation and a desire, and it's really built and birthed out of your love relationship with God. And then there's this other tree that's called in, in, the, in the book of Genesis, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and, and it's not life-giving. It's, it's rule-following. You don't want to do it, but you know you probably ought to do it, or you're going to go to hell. And, and, and it's, and it's kind of hard. And, and so we highlighted the difference, in fact, if you missed last week, it's probably one of the few messages that I would say that everybody who's either trying to figure out whether this should be your church or you've already considered this your home church, you really ought to see that message. That is a foundational, kind of a bedrock message. It's really one of the life messages of our church last week, kind of the difference between the two gospels. Well, we're going to pick it up right there because the story continues in chapter two. And I want you to grab your message notes, everybody. All right, you caught up? Grab your message notes. Uh, look right there, or you can look up here on the screen. So later, 
When Peter, and this is the apostle Peter, this is the disciple that followed Jesus, Peter. When Peter came to Antioch, Paul decided to go to Antioch to have a face-to-face confrontation with him. Because Peter was a part of the problem. Peter was actually, well, as you'll see in the story here, because he was clearly out of line. And then Paul says, here's the situation. Watch this. Earlier, before the, with certain persons, <laughs> Paul didn't want to name them out. He could have. Certain persons had come from James. Peter regularly ate with non-Jews. So Peter had a part of this story where he was hanging out with these Galatian Christians and these Gentiles and having fellowship with them and loving them and not condemning them at all. But watch what happens next. But when that conservative group came from Jerusalem, and that's the story I just told you, he cautiously, and here's the words I want you to see, he pulled back. So Peter was over here, this life-giving, loved Jesus, full of God, and he pulled back. And that's going to be kind of our theme for today, and I'll explain that more in a minute. He pulled back and put as much distance as he could manage between himself and these non-Jewish friends. So he's all befriending them, and then when this group from Jerusalem came, he goes, oh yeah, I'm not friends with them, I'm friends with you. And he kind of changed, and watch what happens next. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that's been pushing the old system of circumcision. Unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in Antioch church, they joined in too. So I want you to just time out and see this. So all these people are getting this new faith, this new walk with Jesus. They're finding this freedom, which is really the theme of our whole book, this freedom, this joy, and they're all coming. So there's no rules. They're, they're, following, they're, they're following God out of, of a heartfelt desire and passion and relationship, and they join in. They go right back to that other gospel that hypocrisy that even, and Paul's just dumbfounded that even Barnabas was swept along in the charade, or if you're from Harvard, the charade. Okay, so there you go, all right? Now I want you to see this. I want you to see this because the theme of today's message is how do you keep from going back? In fact, I want to put on my screen as a question for you to see. How do we keep from going back from the tree, this freedom tree, this life tree, back to this religious tree. Because the truth is, it's easier than you think to kind of switch back and forth. In fact, I'm convinced there's a vine growing between the two trees that you just you kind of swing from one. So you have these days where you're just in love with the Lord and you're, you're, you're serving God out of the right motivation. And then you find yourself right back over in this other tree, judging people, condemning people. You know, you're, you, you're, you're doing it out of duty instead of delight. And how do you keep from going back? In fact, even myself, I struggle from just kind of switching from tree to tree like Tarzan, you know, just not knowing which one to be in several years ago. Um, I'd, I'd had a pretty good prayer time that morning, and, and, and you know, I'm pretty disciplined. I always read my Bible every day, and it was a good time. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm off to work now. I've just left my house and had this wonderful time with the Lord. Nothing too deep, but really good time with the Lord. I jump in my car, and I put on a little Hillsong worship. I mean, I'm shouting to the Lord, and I'm kind of feeling it down the road, you know. I pull out on 280, everybody, and that feeling left me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Because as soon as, I mean, I'm like, shout to the Lord, uh, I'm getting on the road, and I'm in the middle of those three lanes, and this truck pulls up behind me, honking the horn, throwing his fist in the air, arms flailing, mad, I can see his face, mad. I'm telling you, I went from shout to the Lord to shouting to him. What's that? What? <laughs> Come on, you done that too, where you just silent talking to the rearview mirror? Like, I don't know what I did. I'm sorry, man. I'm going to try it, man. And then, and then he kept on me, but the lane next to me was empty. I'm like, well, dude, just go around. So I rolled down my window like, come on then. Come on then. 
If you're in that hurry, just come on. So he came, man. He comes swinging around real fast and pulled around there. And I was going to give him the, man, that ain't cool look. You know, like the, and it was one of our dream teamers. And so, um, <laughs> doubled over laughing. He rode down his window and goes, I got you, Pastor Grant. I got you. And I kicked him out of the church. And so, um, And I didn't have a talk with him. I said, bro, that ain't cool. He goes, man, I got you. And I thought, man, I went from praise the Lord to in the flesh in a second. You know what I'm talking about? So here, here you go. This message is dedicated to every one of us who feel the tension of living this life, this life-giving, full of God life, to grabbing hold of that vine and going right back into our old religious judge people can't really live it out, No, we're supposed to do it, kind of a life. What do you do? How do we keep from going back? Well, it begins by understanding the gospel. We all, we all need to understand. That's where Paul goes next. He just ex- re-explains the gospel, and I want you to see it. In verse 16, he says, we know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping, but only through, I love this first word, through personal faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, how do we know? Watch this. We, we know because we tried it. Every one of us tried to be godly another way, and we had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. And he was referring there to the Old Testament and specifically the Ten Commandments. Convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement, so we know we can't do that, we believed instead in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting instead of doing. So it's, it's internal, not external, and not by trying to be so good. Now watch this. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a law man, that's that other tree, so that I could be God's man or God's woman. And that's what I want to talk to us about today. Because I feel the tension, I know you feel the tension, that there are these choices, and and for most of us in this room, we've chosen this tree of life. For most of us, serving God is a complete joy, but we all feel those days, like I did on Highway 280 not too long ago, where you just seem like you switch right back to this other. Is there a secret? And there is. Paul, I think it's the main theme of this particular chapter in the final verse of Galatians chapter two reveals to us the secret of not being a law man or a religious man or someone who's, who's really not living out God's, God's gospel, the real gospel, by a discipline, by a practice that honestly is not very popular. And I'll go ahead and tell you up front, this is not a message you preach if you're trying to add a lot of new people to your church. This is a great message to preach if you love growing your people that you already have in your church. And I wanna give this to you because this is, well, this is, this is the deep end of the pool. And I don't mean deep end as in theological, as in confusing. Some people think it ain't deep until I'm completely confused, all right? To me, deep is love your neighbor as yourself. You know, like deep, the deep is, is when you face with a biblical truth that's hard to do, you think. And so I'm gonna take you there. I'm gonna take you to a place today that's very, very challenging for all of us. I think it's important But no doubt, this one principle, if lived out, can change your life for the good 
like no other. Probably other than the decision for you to follow Jesus, it may be the single most important daily decision you'll ever make. And here it is in verse 20. I've been crucified. I've been crucified. I know Jesus died for me, but I understand that in order to really be a Christian, I've got to regularly put to death some things. I have been crucified. I know Jesus died for me. Thank you, Jesus. But I don't just receive what Jesus did. I have been crucified with Christ. And here's the principle. I no longer live. He's basically saying you've got to learn the art of dying. You've got to learn the art of putting to death some things because dead men don't get mad. Dead men don't, dead men don't get upset with people behind you in traffic. They dead, all right? They don't get jealous. Well, they're dead. Christ lives in me and the life I live in my body I'm not, I'm not letting my body call the shots. shots. I'm living by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We call this living the crucified life. That's the title of today's message, living the crucified life. Now, nobody, nobody went, woo, amen, pastor, preach it. Like, I, know, like, I don't know how I did it at other campuses. We didn't get one amen here at Grant's Mill. I want you to, all right, because that's like, are you, are you serious? We're going to talk about dying? Yeah, because this is a principle that's all throughout Scripture, that you as a believer, if you want to be someone who stays consistent, and you're ready for this, the whole theme of Galatians is for you to come to this place of real freedom, living your life not, not according to what the world wants you to live and how really sometimes your own desires want you to live, but how God, so you can be God's man, God's woman. Well, this is it, and it can change your life forever. Jesus talked about it in the book of Matthew 16. Uh, he says, from that time, and that time, by the way, is at the end of his ministry, from that time on, as Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, let me just time out right there and basically explain this to you. So the disciples at that point think Jesus was going to be an earthly king. They had no idea he would be a heavenly one. They thought they were under Roman control. The nation of Israel was under Roman control. And they thought the Messiah that they read about in the Old Testament would come and overthrow the Roman government and that this Messiah would sit in the throne in Jerusalem and be king. So Jesus, they think he's the man because he's got all this power. He has all these miracles. I mean, if anybody can do it, Jesus can do it. Then Jesus comes along at the end of his ministry and says, I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified which interrupted their plans, which by the way, you can always tell whenever you're in the wrong tree, when you're offended, when your, your plans are interrupted, when your agenda is not being lived out and you, you, you express some type of frustration, it always reveals kind of which tree you're in because Peter took Jesus aside. This verse blows me away and began to rebuke Jesus. That's just hilarious to me. It's like, are you serious, Peter? I mean, like the guy who turned a, a box lunch into enough to feed 5,000 and can walk on water, you're going to rebuke him? He can make you a grease spot. You better not, Peter. You know, it's just crazy that he had the guts to do that. And that just shows that that moment, Peter had grabbed that vine, and he was no longer this God-loving, Jesus-loving disciple. I mean, he's over here in his other trees sharing his frustrations and he says, never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. I'm not going to allow it. Now watch this. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He literally rebuked the spirit of the enemy that was working in his life at that moment. And watch this. And he says, you are a stumbling block to me because 
You do not have in mind God's things. You're not God's man, to use Paul's phrase. Instead, you have in, in mind the things of men. You're, you're kind of thinking too much of yourself. You're too alive, Peter. There's too much of you going on in this thing right now. And then Jesus said, watch this, to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. And Jesus introduces the concept of the people who live their life to the full or the ones who aren't living it based on their own desires and their own emotions and living their life out their way, but they practice a discipline that needs to be in the church of living this crucified life. They take up the cross. In other words, in order for you to really live life to the full, something has to die in order to follow me. And watch the next. I like the next line because it sounds too hard at that point, doesn't it? And then he throws this, dangles this carrot out in front of every one of us and says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. And I want you to hear that. I want to convince you today that if you can understand the art and the discipline of living a crucified life, a life that regularly puts to death some things in our lives, that the end result is you're in this tree over here full of life. If I had started off that day before I'd gotten to the car and really put to death some of the things that are in the emotions and in the impatience and in the anger and in the road rage that obviously I was participating in, that if I had put that to death, then there was nothing that even Highway 280 could dish my way that I couldn't stay in this tree that's full of life. And how easy it is for us to swing back and forth from tree to tree. And honestly, most people don't want to hear this message. Most, most people would rather me bring a message on how 280 can change. Let me say it this way. Most of us, we want changed situations where God wants to change us. I just want you to hear that. And I want to submit to you today that, that I know you're in tough situations. You may be married to a tough person, and you may be in a tough job, and you, maybe you're in a tough financial situation, and maybe you're in a, you drive on a tough highway. And I know everything inside of me, I still pray for some of those things to change in my life just like you. But at the end of the day, if you really want to find life, you'll never find it when those situations changes because you'll find out you're the same person on the inside even though 280 has changed. I can still be just as angry if there isn't a soul on that highway. When really I don't need my situation to change, I need to change. In order for me to change, something has to die. This is a biblical principle all throughout Scripture. Y'all getting this, everybody? I kind of, yeah, awesome. So let me show it to you again in Romans chapter 6. For we know that our old self needs to be and has been and was crucified. Again, we celebrate the cross of Jesus, but did you ever contemplate the fact that we can experience some deaths ourselves, some death to some things so that we can live, so that the body of sin might be done away with, so my impatience is done away with, so my anger is done away with, watch this, that we should no longer be slaves to it, which is really where you end up when you serve the wrong tree, because anyone who has died has been freed. And that's why I want this for you. I want to teach you the art of dying well. I want to teach you the art of that, that the apostle Paul learned, the one that he even needed to confront Peter, the apostle with, Peter, you're letting your peer pressure 
make you swing from tree to tree where you're befriending these Galatians and then when your buddies come around from Jerusalem, you're acting like you don't know them anymore. That's no good. And I'm gonna tell you something, Peter knew it too. Because when Peter ends up writing his own letter in, in, in First and Second Peter in your Bible, his complete attitude and his discipline's completely changed. You go read those books and it's a completely different attitude than the one you see right here. So how, how do we know? How do we do this? I think that's the question of the day. How do we live this crucified life? Well, here's what I discovered. I went ahead and read Galatians over and over and over and over again, preparing these six messages for you. And one thing I discovered is that the crucified life or crucified living is mentioned three times in three different chapters. And so your outline today comes from the three mentions of the word crucify, but check it out, in every place, it mentions for us to crucify a different thing. And so that's what I wanna give you today. And of course, the first we've already read, I am crucified with Christ, I no longer live. Write it down this way if you're taking notes, and that is we need to crucify self, self. We, we literally need to come to the place where we say, Lord, I not only give you my life at my salvation moment, like you all remember that, don't you? Don't you remember the day you said, okay, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, I'm gonna get in the passenger seat. I want you to drive. I'm terrible at controlling my own life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Listen to me. What would it be like if you did that regularly? Well, Pastor Chris, I'm already saved. I don't know, I don't need to do that anymore. No, 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 Can I show you a beautiful principle that you need to add into your daily discipline? It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Watch this, watch this. Paul said, I die. Come on, say it with me. I die every day. What does that mean? Paul knew that there was this tendency to grab hold of that vine. That you could be over here and just, oh man, in church, great, praise the Lord. And Come on, you've all experienced that. And sometimes we don't even make it to Monday before we've grabbed hold of that and we were right back in our old way of living again. So what's the secret? I, I die every day. Paul knew that there was a secret to coming to the Lord every day and almost like your salvation prayer. Say, Lord, today, once again, I say yes to you and no to the plan of the enemy for my life. Today, once again, God, I receive forgiveness. I thank you, Lord, all my sins are forgiven. Once again today, I ask you to take all of me and I give it to all of you. Here's how I've started praying it, especially since that incident on the highway. I just, I, every day I say, Lord, today there are going to be some people on Highway 280, Lord. I forgive them in advance, God, in Jesus' name. <laughs> and Lord, today I give you my attitude. Before I even let my attitude get out of check, today, God, I want to I kill my attitude. I want to have your attitude. I don't want my nature. I want your nature. And would you please replace it with, we'll study this in week five, with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Can you put that inside of me instead? And Lord, today, will you take my mouth and Lord, let everything that comes out of my mouth today build people up instead of tear them down. And God, today, Lord, my ear's gonna hear some things and let it, let it listen to your voice and turn away from the voice of the stranger, John chapter 10. And God, today, my hands, Lord, let my hands do good to people and let it, let it never harm anyone. Let my mind be the mind of Christ. Let me think on things according to Philippians 4 that are excellent and praiseworthy and pure and full of good fruit. God, can I have just good mind today? Lord, I just, I kill my own natural mind. Lord, let my mind today just be the mind of Christ. 
God, let my feet take me to places that you want me to go. God, you said that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Lord, I'm praying for divine appointments. It just changes my day. And it just seems like that prayer is only good for about 24 hours. Why? Because there's a vine between the two trees. And if we leave it unchecked, we'll grab right hold of it and go right back to that other tree once again. And that's why Paul says, I die daily. In fact, I've added another. This is a verse that about three years ago I added to everyday prayer. It's just in my prayer every day. And it's honestly, honestly, not because I'm godly. It's because I need it so badly. In John chapter 3, verse 30, that he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. Some translations say he must increase and I must decrease. And at that moment, I only, only do this for about 10 seconds. I literally physically get on my knees and I say, Lord, today I humble myself before you. And Chris has a big old ego and attitude and large and in charge. And I don't want that today. In fact, I just want you to be great today, God. And you need to be great and I need to be less. And I kneel before God and give him my life. It just, and I'm, here's what I discovered. My old senior pastor told me this, that the man on his face cannot fall from that position. What, what, would, it, what would your life be like if you started out that low every day? I'm gonna tell you what would happen. You, you wouldn't come into the kitchen after your prayer time in the morning and start barking out orders to the kids or to your spouse and to Highway 280. No, you just like you just come on right on around. I'm in no hurry at all. Praise the Lord. Are y'all listening to me out there, everybody? What's the action step that we need to daily take? Here it is, write it down, and that is humility. Humility. You wouldn't think that, that this word would give you life. There are few words that will give you more life than the life of just humility. I crucify self. Here's the second one is found in chapter five. We'll read the verse here in a second. And that is I also need to crucify my flesh. My flesh. Now, just use the word flesh because that's the Bible word, and I'm not talking about your skin. The word flesh means your passions and your desires. Let's look at the verse in chapter 5. Second time crucified's mentioned. Those who belong to Jesus Christ, that would be me. Here's what they do. They have crucified their sinful nature with its passions and its desires. What does that mean? That means all of us have passions and desires that unfortunately the world is telling you to trust. That's the new theology of today, by the way, is you can trust your desires and your passions. That's who you are. That's not anger. That you're just, that's just the Irish in you. That's not the Irish in you. That's the flesh in you is what that is. Oh, I just, who I am. My daddy was a mad guy. My grandpappy was a dad, mad guy. We got red hair. We're just fire. No, no. Oh, my daddy was a smoker. My grandpa was a smoker. I'm just a smoker. That's who I am. No, no, you do not have to accept your passions and your desires as your predisposition and your orientation. And that's what the world's telling everybody now. Oh, that's just who you are. Kind of go with it. That's just, that's, that's, your, that's your orientation. That's just who you are. No, I don't live by my feelings. My goodness, I would not be your pastor if I lived by my feelings. I promise you. I got passions and desires that go against God's word, and I don't, I, don't, I don't just live by them. Well, that's just who I am. No, I live according to God's word. We have, to have a, we have to have a place in our lives where we just say, you know what? I know I'm feeling this, but I'm not going to trust my feelings, for heaven's sakes. I'm going to put to death my desires, my passions. 
It's, it's, it's the argument that I just don't understand that the world's making right now with, with, with all of that. That, well, that's just how people are, you gotta go with how you're made. I'd be, I'd be in a mud pit somewhere if I went with how I was made. No, we just say, Lord, I've got some things that don't line up with you, and today I, I put to death those passions. And I'm gonna tell you, folks, that's not a one-time decision either. I have to make them every day because the devil's gonna make sure you come face-to-face -face with your passions and your desires, and at that moment, you've got a choice to make. And can I tell you to live by choices and not by feelings? Can I encourage you to live by principle and not by pressure? Can I just encourage you to have a standard in your life? I preached this to a bunch of pastors this week. We had 3,000 pastors in Jacksonville. And I told every one of them, I said, don't you fall right into the same trap that the world's being pressured into. Live by your convictions, which comes out of God's word. We don't, it's not, somebody asked me the other day, well, what's your opinion about so-and-so? I ain't got no opinions. I've got a Bible. That's how I live. Come on, so are y'all listening to me? You say, Pastor Chris, that's just hard. Yeah, but there's freedom on the other side. Because if you want to have life, you got to lose it. And if you just try it the other way and you find out, it'll put you right in a pig pen. And that's why Josh, I get inspired by this verse this week because we read it in the one your Bible. I had it included in your, in your outline somewhere. Choose. I just like the word choose. Don't wait to, for the feeling to come. No, no, no. Choose for yourselves this day who you're going to serve. Make a choice. Don't wait for a feeling. Make a choice. And as for me and my household, watch this. I love these two words. We will. It's not an act of my feelings. It's an act of my will. We will serve the Lord. Can I get a good amen from somebody out there? Today? Yeah. I'm just telling you it's bad theology. And it's bad philosophy for the world to be telling you, oh, you can just trust your feelings. You can't trust your feelings. So what do you do? Here's your action step, and that is make some good choices. Choices. First thing I'm going to do to live a crucified life is I'm going to start off low every day in humility. I need less of Chris and more of Jesus. I, 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 every day, if I'll start low, a man cannot fall from that position. And then knowing that every day the devil's going to make sure I get a chance to follow an ungodly passion and desire, at that moment, I'm going to make a choice. I'm not going to do it according to my feelings. I'm going to do it according to God's word. And then the third place the word crucify is mentioned is in chapter 6. And here, we can just write it down this way. Paul talks about to crucify the world, the world. Let's read the verse in verse 14 of chapter 6. He said, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, watch this, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What does that mean? Paul is saying that the secret to my life-giving freedom that I live in is I have a world filter. And every one of us, church, look in my eyes and let me help you out right here. You ready for this? Every one of us needs to have an exercise where we just go through and say, I can't let this part of the world in me. And you create a world filter. I just, don't, I just don't listen to that. I just don't eat or drink that. And I don't go there. I, just don't, I don't even go there to make the choice. I'm not letting that part of the world in my life. And I'm afraid too many of us are just letting the world inf infect us. And, and then we're trying to stay in this other tree, but we're pulled out. Paul says, no, no, no. I have crucified the world to me and I to the world. I'm just 
not letting it in. I'm just telling you, you're not gonna be a person who lives in God's freedom if you're gonna let Beyonce tell you how to live your life. <laughs> or letting 50 Shades of Grey tell you how to have a marriage. Sure is quiet in here today, everybody. And you say, Chris, how do I know? Let me tell you, you don't need me telling you what's right and wrong. You've got a Holy Spirit and you've got a Bible. And I'm going to tell you, for me, I've just, I've just made some choices. A lot of you know my testimony. I got saved at 15 years old. That's very well documented here in the church. I've told that story many times. Haven't told you much about what happened right after. I was so on fire for God. It was unbelievable. In fact, I took myself back to that moment this week. I shared the story with these pastors in Jacksonville. How I just, I mean, I want, if you came in within five feet of me, I would lead you to Jesus. I led more people to Christ I think over 30 people in the first month of my salvation at 15 years old. I was just so in love, so on fire for the Lord. But I quickly realized that the world was, I, even though I loved him, it was, it was just bad to the bone. I went to a high school. I was a sophomore. I went to a high school called Woodlawn, and there were so many drugs. This is in the late 70s. They called it Weedlawn. I mean, it was just full of, I'm very sick, Weedlawn. And I went to my parents. I said, Mom and Dad, I, got, I just, I love Jesus with everything in me, but I don't know if I can stay there living, going to that. I need you to take me out. Can you put me in this Christian school, this church where I got, got saved? I later found out that Christians don't go to Christian schools either. But anyway, that was, that, was a different, that was a different message. But at least we were in chapel every week and reading our Bibles, and I was in a Bible class, and it just, it just, it just helped me. And then I had, four, had three buddies. There were four of us in a band. We had a little music band. I played keys. Sam Nixon and Micah Bennett and Benton Reed. We were, we were buddies. And I went to them. I said, guys, I hate to tell you all this, but I'm out of the band. I, I'm not going to be hanging out on Friday night. I just, I can't. And one of them said, you judging us? I said, no, I'm judging me. I just know I can't. And then I was dating a girl named Darla Cooper. I always wanted to date a girl named Darla because I grew up watching the Little Rascals. Come on, old people. Where y'all at? <laughs> I was dating a girl named Darla, and I went to Darla, and, I, and we didn't have a holy relationship at all, and I said, it, girl, it's over. I'm, I'm so sorry. She got so mad. What are you dumping me for? You, you, you holy or something? I said, no, that's my whole problem. I'm not holy. I'm trying to be, and I can't be with you. I promise you that. <laughs> I'm not judging you. I'm judging me. I'm physically incapable, and so are you, of staying in the world and staying in the tree of life. I'm just telling you. And Paul said, I have to crucify the world to myself. And I, and I, grew, up, I grew up in a radical generation in youth group. I mean, we, we grew up in the, in the 70s, and you older folks remember this, the, 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 the ACDC and Led Zeppelin and the crazy music, and really a lot of the ministries to youth groups back then, they would come through and they would talk to you about rock and roll because it was so wild in those days. In fact, they talk a lot about backward masking. They was, man, you can play this song backwards and it says, I love the devil. I mean, it was bad enough forwards. You know what I'm talking about? You didn't need to play it backwards. And, but we had a ministry come through our youth group and basically they taught you the, the dangers of rock music. And they ended this little conference, this little youth conference or camp with everybody bring your albums. And they'd do a big old giant record burning. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. It was wild. Well, I didn't have any sec. I had one sec. I bought one secular song in my entire life. And it was a 45 of Kung Fu Fighting. Wow! 
Those cats are fat. That's what I had. So I thought, this ain't Christian, so I'm bringing it. I, call, I, I toss it into the pile, you know. And it burned, and everybody, I know it's radical. I know it is. I know, I know what you're thinking, right? I know it is. I understand that. I, 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 but it was somehow, for me, it was just like a, it was like a break from the world. Just get rid of kung fu fighting. There you go. I know those cats are fast as lightning, but now it's a little bit frightening. There you go. All right, so. And I only went to one secular concert in my entire life to date, and that was right before I got saved. So funny, the Lord set me up for salvation because I went, I lied to my mom and dad, told them, told, them, told them I was spending the night with a friend, and I went downtown to the Baton Rouge Civic Center and watched the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> and as soon as I got in there, I had never been in an environment like that in my life. Everybody smoking, half of them had joints, and it was crazy. And that band came on the stage, and my heart's beating fast, knowing I am gonna go to hell right today. <laughs> And they came out in their first song, I'll never forget this, Jesus is just all right with me. And I'm like, oh my Lord, now they're mocking my God. I'm going to hell right now. Like, and I'm gonna tell you something, y'all, as radical as this sounds, I just made a break. I, I, I enlist, I, I could, I'm not bragging, you don't, this is just, I'm telling my story. But I don't know, I couldn't tell you any, in fact, I didn't even know, I, yesterday I was eating lunch. I took my boys to Five Guys and Fries. Can I get an amen, somebody? And, and I was sitting there, I said, hey guys, I'm doing a message tomorrow about breaking from the world. I said, give me a name of somebody I can mention, because I don't know, I didn't know, I, I couldn't pick Beyonce out in a crowd of one, right? I really couldn't. They said, oh dad, just say Beyonce and Fifty Shades of Grey. And then I said, well, how do you know? And that's my next question. And so, so they said, dad, just say that. Everybody don't know what you're talking about if you say that. I honestly, I honestly don't know. I don't. I really don't know. And all I know this is that the more I, that that break from the world in those days has served me extremely well. That's all I can tell you. And you don't need me to tell you where that line is, but check it out. You better have a line. You want to stay in that tree of life? Well, there better be a moment where you just every day say less of me, more of you. And then when you're faced with that, where you're, everything inside of you wants that forbidden fruit, everything in you, you are lured. Buddy, you better not listen to that. You better listen to God's word. Make a choice. And then best yet, go ahead and say, you know what? I just don't even get involved in that. I'm not going to that. I'm not let, let me show it to you in the Bible and we'll close. Second Corinthians. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. There's this tree of life on the other side of these choices, says the Lord Almighty. Write the word down, and we pray, and that's the word, separation, separation. Humility, choices, separation. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Don't put your things away right now. Just be very still, just for a moment. And I want to pray for you. Like I said, I don't put any of this on you, really. I just, I'm just trying to lead you. And I'm just praying. Would you pray this prayer right now? Because you don't need me to be your Holy Spirit. You have a Holy Spirit. You have God's Word. But will you pray this prayer and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Would you just say that in your own heart right there in your chair? If you're watching online, would you just stop chatting and 
Maybe even close your eyes and just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? What are you trying to say to me? And will you just listen for a moment? And can you imagine how much better your life would be if you started off on your face? And can you imagine how much better your life would be if you lived according to God's word instead of your own passions? And can you imagine how much better your life would be if there was just parts of the world I just don't, I, I, I can't. I'm not judging you, I'm judging me. I can't be involved in that. Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to every person here. Because if it can happen to Peter and the other Christians of those days where they just go right back into the old way, it can happen to us. So give us wisdom. Give us grace. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Some of you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit right there in your chair. In fact, some of you still feel like you're, you're, you're in your shame. You're carrying your own sin. You know that. Some of you... You gave your heart to Jesus, but you went right back to controlling your own life. We're going to close today with a prayer in your seat, right there where you are. No one's standing. No one come to the front. But you say, Chris, I need to surrender completely to Jesus. I just, I, I need to. I'm not in a right relationship with God. And I'm ready to fully surrender to Jesus. I'm going to invite our campus pastors to come to the stage. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to be included in that prayer, I don't want you to be even close to ashamed. I want you to be bold and say, count me in. And lift your hand as high as you can right now. Count me in. Yes, just lift it up and leave it up all over this room. I just see literally dozens and dozens of hands. People saying, it's my time to go all in with God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Slip your hands down. And just forget every person around you and pray this prayer. Just say, Jesus, forgive me. I've been living my life my way. And today, I want to completely surrender to you. I ask you to forgive me. Come live inside of me. Change me. And today, I put to death all parts of me so that all of you can come live inside of me and live. Today, say it this way, I give you my life, everything. And Lord, for everybody who just prayed that prayer, I celebrate with them the greatest day of their whole life. Their greatest day. Thank you, Lord, that you've washed away sin. God, you prepared a home in heaven for them. You gave them the free gift by grace, through faith, salvation. We celebrate it today in Jesus' name.